0: Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank.
1: Have you ever been in an earthquake? I have. We were in California about a dozen years ago. I was hanging up a blouse on the rack, and I saw the hangers moving. At the same time, my husband said, the pots and pans are clanging as they were attached above the stove. And so we both immediately knew we were in an earthquake. He said, we got to go outside. And I said, we need to stand under a doorway. Well, it turns out both of us were wrong. Now they say, you don't go outside. And you don't stand under a doorway because their frames are not made strong enough anymore. So the best thing to do is get away from windows and anything that's breakable, but quickly get on your hands and knees so you don't fall down and cover your head and your neck. Anyway, ours was a minor earthquake. It was one of the 500,000 detectable earthquakes worldwide each year, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. The earthquake that struck Turkey on February 6th was one of 17 major earthquakes that are anticipated each year. Does that earthquake have any prophetic significance due to its location? No, but earthquakes in general do have prophetic significance. I'm Debbie Blank. Today we'll look at earthquakes in general and the biblical prophetic importance of them.
0: And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Have you ever had to shake someone awake? When my kids hit their rapidly growing teenage years, they seemed to need a lot more sleep. And not only that, they slept hard. Some mornings the alarm could literally go off right next to their heads and they could sleep right through it. That's when mom had to go in and shake them awake so they wouldn't miss class. The Bible is filled with God's love for us. And as a loving father, he also gives us warnings to save us from judgment. The violent shaking of the earth can destroy or drastically change everything in minutes and awaken us to the realization that we, as human beings, are not in control. The recent 7.8 earthquake in Turkey reminds us that the frequency and intensity of earthquakes seems to be increasing. The Bible has a lot to say about earthquakes, what they mean and how they fit into end times Bible prophecy. So that's what we'll be looking at on today's program.
1: Turkey is one of the countries that's mentioned in end-time Bible prophecy, according to Ezekiel 38 and 39. They're involved with the Gog and Magog War. So people are wondering if this earthquake has anything to do with that. Well, the fact is, it was an earthquake. As you said, it was 7.8 on the Richter scale. And then several hours later, they had a 7.5 on the Richter scale and hundreds of aftershocks since that time. Aftershocks have been felt as far south as Israel and as far west as Europe. This was a devastating earthquake. But as I said, we have them about 17 times every year that range from 7.0 to 7.9. And we also have one every year that ranges over 8.0. So it's not unusual. What is unusual in this one is where it was centered The fact that it was very shallow under the ground so that the death toll continues to rise. As of February 12th, there were 35,000 people dead. And not only that, 6,000 buildings have collapsed. This is unprecedented. The earthquake that Turkey had in 1940 had 33,000 deaths, so this has already exceeded that. And then in 1999, they had a major quake where 17,000 died. Obviously, they're on a fault line. The eastern Anatolian fault line runs right through the area where this earthquake took place. And it not only has been devastating for Turkey, but Syria, it's been said, they're just experiencing one catastrophic problem on top of another. They've had 4 million Syrians displaced since 2011 due to the civil war, but they have 5.3 million more That are left homeless after this earthquake it is just devastating for them and as we go back in scripture we can find out that three of the seven churches of revelation which are all in turkey also were destroyed in earthquakes
0: well it's amazing because when we hear of a 7.8 followed by a 7.5 or 6 We don't realize how many aftershocks there are and how strong they are. They're anywhere between 5, I think, and 6.7 in this particular case. If you consider that 7.5 or 6 an aftershock, it's like a whole other earthquake. So the shaking continues. And Turkey's Department of National Disaster Management said that the energy released in the first earthquake was as powerful as the explosion of 500 atomic bombs like Hiroshima. So the power of it is just unimaginable, and to know that that is a continued shaking going on in
1: this area, it's just quite a catastrophe, like you said. If you haven't seen pictures, go online and look, because you will see the before and after where they have dozens of buildings, and then afterwards, there's one building standing. And this isn't just one location, this is throughout cities and areas. The death toll is because so many of the buildings are high-rises. So there are a lot of people working or living in those high-rises. So it's really devastating. But as I said, three churches that are mentioned in the churches of Revelation in Revelation 3 were destroyed by earthquakes in that area, particularly in 17 AD. The Church of Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea were all destroyed. They were rebuilt. But Philadelphia was particularly interesting because it is also near a volcano. And the original earthquake, as well as all the aftershocks, caused the city of Philadelphia to live in the streets, you might say, for years. They could not go back in their homes, and so they lived pretty much outdoors, in tents. But they also were the last city that had a church in Asia, only ending when the Ottoman Turks came in around the 14th century. So they went through a lot of problems, but they were also the church of the open door, sharing the gospel and living out for Christ. And that's what we need to do in the midst of this. We can live out our faith by praying for everyone that this is affecting, by sending money to good organizations like Samaritan's First, who will distribute to the needy as well as share the gospel. So there are things that we can do to help other people. It's not affecting us. We, as a matter of fact, don't have a lot of earthquakes in the United States that are measurable, but we do have the San Andreas Fault in California that is the longest fault in all the world. So a major earthquake could occur there, as we've talked about for years, because it is the longest fault. That being said, the U.S. Geological Society has said that We will never experience a 10.0 earthquake. It just will not happen because the fault lines are not that long. Even the San Andreas one isn't. Well, I think we're going to see something a little different as we get into Scripture and read about the earthquakes that are going to take place as we move forward to the return of Christ.
0: The Bible does predict more, and it does predict more frequency and more intensity. But as far as what we're able to do as human beings... We can measure them and we can track them, but we
1: really can't predict them very well, can we? We cannot. And they're unique things because you can't prepare for them. If we have a tornado, we can go to the basement. If we live in hurricane areas, they can board up their houses and they can evacuate. There's things we can do for just about every other disaster, but not earthquakes. So we need to understand earthquakes from a biblical perspective. And the first thing we need to know is that God created the whole universe and all the laws of nature, so he's the one who ultimately has control over the land and what happens in the land. In Genesis 1-1, we know that God created the heavens and the earth. That means that any disasters that take place on the earth, ultimately God created that earth. And remember in Genesis one he said that everything he had created was very good. Because everything was very good, God did not design this world to be destroyed. But, unfortunately, sin came into the world. And because sin did, not only did it cause problems for mankind, but it caused natural disasters. Death and disease and suffering and earthquakes and things like that. Because as we are affected by sin, so is the earth. At the time of Noah, God said in Genesis six eleven through 13 Now, the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. So it's not just mankind that's full of sin, it's the earth. So God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. So what we see in these disasters is the result of sin. And in addition, disasters can happen because we've made God angry or we've sinned against God. If we look at Numbers chapter 16, specifically verse 32, there's a story there about Korah. Korah was someone who rebelled against Moses and God was not happy with him. So the consequence for his rebellion was an earthquake, not just an inner earthquake, but that passage says, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. So the earth opened up. And then it says later in that passage in number 16, that the earth then closed up over them. Now, here's what's interesting is that the U.S. Geological Society says, quote, Shallow crevices can form during earthquake induced landslides, lateral shreds, or other types of ground failures, but faults do not open up during an earthquake. God has proved them wrong because God is ultimately in charge of this earth and earthquakes, and He can go way beyond what we think is natural when we're talking about earthquakes.
0: This was a supernatural judgment by God on these people who were doing wrong. And so he had the right, because he is just and he is sovereign, to take that kind of a judgment and take that kind of an action on these people. So the fact that it was specific to those people at that particular time makes a certain amount of sense. And we just have to remember that God is just and he is righteous in this case.
1: And we're going to see that again in the future in the book of Revelation. But before we do, let's go back because we know that God also uses earthquakes to get our attention, to focus on his son, Jesus Christ. We know that in Jesus' death, in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four, it said, Now the centurion and those who were with him kept guard over Jesus. When they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, because they became very frightened and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. So God had an earthquake at the time of Jesus' death. And there was an earthquake at the time of his resurrection, too. I can't imagine what it was like in Israel at that time. Because first of all, Israel is on a natural fault, the Dead Sea fault, And they are said to have earthquakes every hundred years. And it's been 97 years since they've had a major earthquake. So getting back to Jesus' death and resurrection... God could have allowed a natural disaster but to the point that it pointed to his son's death and then to his resurrection. In Matthew 28:2, we're told, behold a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And then in Zechariah 14:4, 4, we're told that there's going to be a big earthquake at his second coming. It doesn't say an earthquake, but it does describe one. In Zechariah 14:4 4, it says, "In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in the middle from east to west by a very large valley, so that half the mountain will move toward the north and half of it toward the south." So, to have it split right in the middle, just east of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, can only be caused supernaturally by God or by an earthquake. So these are
0: spectacular events, each and every one of them, and they're punctuated by these earthquakes.
1: That's right. And then more are going to take place before Jesus returns. We're told in Matthew 24, 7, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all of these are merely the beginning of birth pains. Now the context there is jesus was asked by his disciples when's the end going to come and jesus is giving them specific things that will happen before his return and one of those is earthquakes he compares the earthquakes to birth pains, which means that when they start they are going to grow in number and intensity until the time comes for christ's return and by the way Earthquakes aren't just caused because God allows them to happen. They can be caused naturally. If there's a volcano, that can create an earthquake. If there is nuclear disaster or some kind of situation that man causes, those can also cause earthquakes. We have in Texas and Oklahoma a lot of earthquakes all the time because of fracking in the oil industry. The point is they are going to increase.
0: Debbie, when you referred to Matthew 24 7, it talks about the beginning of birth pangs and how there would be an increase in intensity and frequency in these earthquakes, just like there are when a woman is in labor, so that it doesn't stop, it continues on, it may start out where you don't recognize it at first, and then it becomes a pattern and it increases and it gets stronger. Do we have some evidence of that happening in our lifetime?
1: We do. However, the U.S. Geological Society will say, and does say on the website, that we have no proof that earthquakes are increasing in intensity or frequency. And yet the statistics I have tell me differently. And that is that earthquakes 6.5 or greater. So those are pretty strong earthquakes. Between 1990 and 1969, there were an average of six per decade. And then between 1970 and 1989, just 19 years there, instead of the 79 years previously, earthquakes 6.5 or greater increased to 10 per decade. And these are statistics that can be proven. And then you have just a short period of time, just seven months between January 1990 and July 1990, there were an average of 200 per decade. In August 1990 to October 1992, about a year and a half, two years, 600 per decade average. And then in 2011, from January to August 24th, there were 23 just during that period of time. So we are seeing an increase in intensity. That means our earth is changing. Go back to what we talked about in the time of Noah that mankind is the one who destroyed the earth. And therefore, God destroyed the earth with a flood because of the corruption that man had caused. And I'm not just talking about global warming here, the things that man have caused from emissions. I'm talking about natural disasters being a consequence of man's sin. Because as we read earlier, when God gets angry, He can use natural disasters. I'm not saying that what happened in Turkey was because God was angry. I'm just saying that the Bible proves many times that when God was angry, he allowed an earthquake to shake up the people. Job in chapter 9, verse 5 and 6 says, It is God who removes the mountains. They know not how. When he overturns them in his anger who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble. Isaiah 13:13 13, 13 also says, "Therefore I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will be shaken from its place at the fury of the Lord of hosts in the day of his burning anger." Well, we're going to see that burning anger during the time of the tribulation, but we're also seeing those earthquakes happen more frequently. And as we said again, They're out of our control. So this is a time for us when we see an earthquake like this to put our focus and attention on God.
0: It's interesting to note all of these earthquakes, whether they are natural or if they're supernatural. One thing that they do is they get our attention. It's one of those things where we go about our lives and we think we're in control and everything's fine. And and we're pretty self-confident about the way we are directing our own lives. But when an earthquake happens and you said you've been in one, I have never been in one, but I've heard them described as far as the, the ground just kind of rolls underneath you and everything moves and really there's nothing much you can do. Like you said, you have to try to figure out something to do, but there isn't an ideal thing to do because if that building collapses or if the ground opens up or whatever, it's just out of your control. So it's humbling. It helps us to realize that we are just human and that there are forces far greater than ours.
1: If you look at some of the pictures in Turkey, one really struck out at me because it was a road, a road that had a center line that was red. You could see on the north part of that road, everything was normal. And then all of a sudden you see the southern part of the road and it shifted about eight feet to the right. And you can tell because the red line has shifted. So as you say, it's a frightening experience when that happens, if you consider that In Japan, in 2011, that was the fourth largest earthquake ever. It was a 9.1, there were 13,000 deaths. But the interesting thing is that it ripped a gash 150 miles long and 50 miles wide in the crust of the Earth below the Pacific. And it shifted the planet on its axis by four inches. That's a huge change. As a matter of fact, we're told in Revelation 6:14, in the opening of the sixth seal of judgment during the tribulation period, it says, the sky will split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. That's what we see with major earthquakes. In Turkey in 1999, that landmass moved four feet because of the earthquake. In Chile in 2010, that moved the Earth's axis by two inches and it shortened the day by 1.26 millionth of a second. Now, it doesn't sound like much, but it is when God has given us a 24 hour day, then, millionths of a second means a lot. The largest earthquake ever was in Chile in 1977. It recorded 9.5 on the Richter scale, very close. To what they're saying, we could never have, which is a 10-point earthquake. But the fact of the matter is, with God, we could have easily a 10-point earthquake, and I think we will. Now, I don't have proof of that because they didn't have a Richter scale at the time that John wrote the book of Revelation. But God gives us some ideas as we open up Revelation to see about these earthquakes. He tells us in Revelation 6, before he talks about them, Islands and the countries being moved off of their places, he says in Revelation six twelve, I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. Now in the Bible we see earthquakes mentioned periodically, or we hear about the ground shaking, but here it says there's going to be a great earthquake. Then in a couple of other places in Revelation, it just talks about an earthquake. But there are three times in Revelation, at the sixth seal judgment, then again at the sixth trumpet judgment, and finally at the seventh bowl judgment, that we will see great earthquakes. Now that's different from just earthquakes. How is that going to look? We don't know exactly because the context doesn't tell us very much, except as I mentioned in Revelation 6.12, how everything's going to be moved out of their place, but it's going to be devastating. And My belief is that great earthquakes will be much more significant than the earthquakes that we have ever seen on this earth until those dates.
0: Just to have that adjective placed in front of it is uh, purposeful, God wants us to know this is gonna be beyond what we've seen before. I looked up the word great in Strong's for those verses in Revelation, and it says exceedingly great, high, large, loud, mighty, and then it says sore with afraid in parentheses, and then it says strong. So those are multiplied above and beyond what a normal earthquake, a strong earthquake would be, and when it said sore, afraid, I thought of the terror that people feel in a normal earthquake, but the terror that people will feel when these happen. is just unbelievable.
1: And Revelation does talk about that after the first great earthquake in the sixth seal in Revelation 6. It tells us that in verse 15, And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the commanders, and the rich and the strong, and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said... To the mountains and to the rocks fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand. So they realize after this first great earthquake, it is so devastating that this is God's wrath being poured out on an unbelieving world. And they want to hide from it. So that gives you an idea there of what it's going to be like. Now, that's the sixth seal. That is after the first five seals have been opened, which are really man-made disasters, even though God's hand was in charge of it because he says it's going to happen. That was really bringing us into the beginning of the end, because it's right before the seventh seal, which opens up all the final disasters in the book of Revelation. Then we're going to see the next great earthquake. That's in the sixth trumpet. The sixth trumpet, between the sixth and the seventh trumpet judgment, is in the middle of the tribulation period. That is when Satan is thrown down to the earth, knowing he only has a short time. So it's like God is using that great earthquake to get people's attention. And then we have a final great earthquake, which will take place with the seventh world judgment, and that is the final judgment that God will pour out on this world, it says in Revelation sixteen eighteen, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake such as there has not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. That final earthquake is people's one last opportunity to turn to God before judgment is wreaked upon each one of them. So what does all of this mean to us? First of all, we've talked about the fact that earthquakes are out of our control. So hopefully when they happen or when any disaster happens, we get our eyes off of the worldly and we focus them on God. Think back to 9-11. After that disaster took place, the churches were full because people knew we needed God. He's the only one who could protect us. Until the government stepped in and then people stopped going to church again because the government took over. But God wants us to keep our eyes on him. When natural disasters happen, that's a time when we focus on God. But let's not wait until then. Let's turn to God now. Because disasters remind us that God is in control. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. God is ultimately in charge and he's going to allow these earthquakes at least that are coming in the book of revelation to get people's attention so when we see them now even though it doesn't affect you and me let's put our eyes on who's in charge of this world and who's wanting to get our attention from the things that are happening and then let's reevaluate our priorities in life our home as i said is not here it's in heaven consider how we can help others in disasters certainly by prayer, certainly by meeting their financial needs and their need for medical attention and food, which we can do through other solid Christian organization. And then we need to remember that God can and does bring good things out of terrible situations. So let's pray for those people that they will accept Christ through all of this, because these their only hope with all the tens of millions of people that are displaced. The government isn't going to meet their needs at least right away. Their only hope is in Jesus. And we know from Romans 8.28 that God will cause all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to its purpose. So let's pray for those people and let us trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. And he will direct our paths in life, in situations, in disasters. God is the answer. Turn to him today.